Good day, my lovely listeners. You are listening to the Forty Orty Podcast. Tune in every week to explore inspiring stories and insightful information that dive headfirst into the world of autism and mental health. With all those tantalizing tongue twisters out of the way, let's get into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Forty Orty Podcast. It's very sunny, and I am very happy that it's sunny because when it's all gloomy and dark, it's it's very depressing. And with all the isolation stuff that's going on, um, as um as we're recording this, it it can be a little bit sort of dark and gloomy anyway. But it's nice to have a little bit of sunshine, and today we're going to be talking about autism and gender stereotypes, which is something that I've been wanting to talk about for a while now. And basically I got in contact with the National Autistic Society um, following the release of my documentary. And we sort of did a little bit of a video interview, a little bit of a blog post about the documentary and sort of my time filming it. Um, during isolation and I was introduced to the very lovely Hermione Cameron from the National Autistic Society. How are you doing Hermione? I'm doing okay thanks Thomas, how are you doing? I'm all right, I'm pretty good. I've been recently um, sorting out my new room that I'm moving into so I spent yesterday just scraping glue off the the floors of... (laughs) Because there used to be a carpet and stuff, and we we never really got. Um, it's now a wooden floor, and we had sort of like. I I was basically on my hands and knees scraping it off with a butter knife for a long time, last night. So, my hands are very sore, and my my girlfriend's hands are a little bit stingy from all the chemicals that we were using. Oh gosh. <laughs> we probably should have used some gloves or something, but. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm just happy that that we're getting to it now. So yeah, yeah, we uh, we met on that sort of video interview that we did, and we had a little bit of a blog post that we did. Was yeah, stories from the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I just just sort of wanted to, because obviously I, I don't really have much of an opportunity to talk to people from the National Autistic Society and considering it's um, I think quite widely regarded as a good sort of nice and, and safe space for autistic people it's it's nice to be able to chat from somebody who is quite a, quite a key um, worker in terms of the social media side what what is your job title are you like the the content producer um, so my job title title is content officer brackets copy um so we so I kind of um I guess it's mostly editing really a lot of editing and copywriting and assisting the um senior editor with things like so I've yeah I've kind of taken on the um stories from the spectrum role which is what we interviewed you for which is our kind of series of interviews and blogs like that are sort of where we chat to autistic people and 
kind of get a sense of their day-to-day lives and like maybe we'll talk about something they've done like a cool project like with your documentary or um and yeah just kind of get trying to get an in-depth perspective from autistic people and their families and I also um so I don't know if you've read the Spectrum magazine I have seen it yeah it was called Asperger United, and um, it's edited by yeah a guy um, on the content team called The Goth, who's a very nice man, who's on the spectrum himself, um, and he's been um, editing it for quite a while now. And our team were kind of, about a year ago or so, we kind of um, sort of took on uploading it online and kind of... So I kind of handle the sort of online version of it and I sometimes I try and do fun things like I recently put together an archive of articles and artwork and poems wow. from previous editions which like relating to the theme of home and I try and do it like we had one before on um, aliens which is quite fun, one before <laughs> on animals and aliens. <laughs> so yeah there is some yeah, well, someone wrote an article about uh, this theory that um, people on the autistic spectrum might have, like, alien DNA. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, which is actually very interesting. Is it quite in-depth? Um, yeah, it was quite in-depth. And I think we just thought, oh, that's a very interesting theme. And it's often, obviously, it's not a metaphor that a lot of autistic people will like or relate to but it's often a lot of people talk about this feeling that they're sort of from like they're on the wrong planet kind of thing kind of theme so we sort of went for that and kind of collected a lot of a lot of people like talks about Doctor Who and how they related ah. a lot to the Doctor yeah um so yeah doing I mean doing things like that I guess that's that's kind of the part of my job that I like the most and because, I mean, I'm a writer myself, so I mainly do poetry. So, yeah, I just enjoy reading other people's work. And Wow. How did yeah, you... I also work on, like, kind of... Sorry, carry on. Um, <laughs> how, did you get, how did you get involved with the, the, the National Artistic Society? Like, what was the, um, the process like of getting on the team? She started there as a volunteer and at the time I was doing a bit of sort of freelance work outside for a different place and but I'd always kind of wanted to work for a cause that you know I really cared about or I always wanted to work for a charity uh, so I was volunteering there for a while and then um yeah eventually they took me on um because I just kind of kept coming back <laughs> so they couldn't really get rid of me. So I was kind of volunteering on and off and then started temporarily and then eventually it moved to a permanent position. Wow. Um, I definitely um, I definitely em- empathise with the the whole working for, for a cause that you um, feel quite deeply because I think one of, one of the issues with um, most people in their jobs is that I think most most people try and focus too much about like 
the money aspect or the like the reputation aspect. And I was a little bit on that kind of side when I uh, went to uni. Because <clears throat> I, I did a course in, in biomedical sciences, which is it's basically the main prerequisite for sort of uh, clinical research and, you know, of diseases and, and different sort of neuro, neuroscience-related things. And I... I I very much sort of idolised that since I was um, before I started A levels, and it's now that I'm older, I, I sort of realised that although it would be nice to do research and and sort of add to the sort of archive of scientific um, discoveries, it's. It's nice just to to focus on something that is quite quite close to your heart. It gives you a lot of like motivation to get up and and continue working. Would you say that that's something that that you you relate to quite a lot? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm I'm extremely lucky, really, that I'm able to do that because I have done you know kind of previous work which isn't something that you know you might enjoy it but I I think I'm very lucky to do something that I feel is so personal to me like to get yeah and to get paid for that is yeah I'm fortunate that it's not just a job like it really sort of means the world to me really because this wasn't you know it wasn't being on the autism spectrum wasn't really even something that I like my close friends and family knew obviously but wasn't something that I spoke about openly until I started volunteering initially and then working at the National Autistic Society and kind of sort of well now that I work there I sort of got to talk about it I can't really <laughs> um, so yeah it's really sort of changed things for me what were you doing before um before you saw when you were doing like all that um, volunteering and stuff I did like I did various things um actually it's quite funny whilst I was doing the volunteering I was uh got through a friend who used to work for the um dating site Badoo and Bumble and I was doing uh. some online moderation for them which was interesting <laughs> <laughs> um but it was very yeah it was very like random really um, but that sounds like a cool job anyway. Like it's not something that most people are involved with. Yeah, again it wasn't something that I thought that I really would get into, but you know, I was lucky I guess I had a friend who worked for them so he could kind of help me get involved with that and I also well cuz my degree was um English with creative writing so I kind of worked in bookshops and stuff uh, just like as a tent. Jealous. Um, that sort of thing yeah again I, I was sort of lucky to <laughs> be able to do that um but yeah I think at the same time having a sort of creative arts degree or like a sort of humanities degree is not as useful <laughs> as doing something maybe more practical but again I was very lucky that I was able to study what I what I love really yeah and I suppose having that um 
Well, I think I think the difference between sort of like you know humanities and and sort of like science science based or like practical degrees is that it's it's very sort of limited in the it, it leads to a job like the um sort of practical side of things but it it doesn't give you much of a a new angle on things whereas i think like degrees like humanity in the sort of humanities and and things such as your degree give you a little bit of a would you say like a like a personal sort of more um well-rounded view on things maybe a little bit of a different angle um i think so yeah it sort of gives you time to kind of think and reflect and yeah consider things from a different perspective like my my undergraduate degree in particular that was um which is at Falmouth University, which I loved. Um, yeah, I sort of liked it because we didn't kind of study just like canon, you know, that sort of, I guess, typically, as we would say, sort of dead white males yeah. <laughs> kind of literature. We sort of looked at a variety of writers from like around the world and you just see things from a perspective that you would never have considered before. Well, that I, for me, that I, you know, I wouldn't have considered before because I wouldn't have been exposed to it. Yeah. And um, with your with your poetry, like, have you? Because I, I think I, I think I do remember you saying something about like competitions that you've entered and, and all that. Um. Yeah, I I had my I had a collection published actually. Um. By was actually um. Yeah, a small company called Ampersand Publishing. And my house, I was very lucky actually because my housemate decided to set up his own publishing company and he managed to do it, which was like a massive achievement. And he um, published my collection, which is called Recipe for Being a Woman, as well as a um, short sci-fi sort of short fiction, which is called um welcome to earth mm-hmm. um unfortunately they closed they had to close down but yeah it's still like a really something that i really enjoyed and was very proud of and yeah one of my poems in there um which is called not always gray was shortlisted for the Bridport prize which yeah i was very proud of I think that's probably sort of my kind of proudest, one of the proudest moments of my life, I guess. Wow. I'm just, uh, I just had a little Google search of your um, recipe for being a woman. That look like, it looks really cool. Like, is it, is it? Oh, thank you. I've, um, I'm looking at this, this website called Fell Writing. Is that? Oh, right. Yeah. There's a review on, I think that's um, somebody from Falmouth University did a review of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was illustrated by um, Louise Armichelou, who um, was a children's illustrator. And she did these like really beautiful 
black and white, like quite simple black and white illustrations, which work really well. So I was, yeah, I was very lucky with that. Um, I know it was like, it's really very exciting time, I think, when that, when that came out. Definitely. Like, um, and it being, was, a, being a published author and stuff, that's, that's like one of the things that I, I definitely want to do in my life. There is a little sort of quote that that's in there. It says, um, I'm assuming this is from you. Like many of the poems in the collection, it illustrates the commonness of mental illness and how debilitating it can be. Is mental illness quite a big um, player in the book? Like, do you talk about it a lot within the poems? Yeah, I do, I think. There are a few... Like, there are a few poems in there, I think, that I actually was a bit hesitant when I was kind of going through it with the publisher, and I was like, oh, I don't know if, you know, I should include that. Like, is that a bit dark, or is that... Um, but he was very, you know, insistent that I did include them, and I was very glad that I did. Um, but, yeah, it does sort of talks about, um, yeah, grief, mental illness, kind of self-image, um, some elements of sort of self-harm and that, like there's one particular mm-hmm. poem in there which is called um, The Other Side, which is kind of about, I get yeah, I guess sort of suicidal ideation. Yeah. Having a moment when you, yeah. I'm very much, I very much like, like artistic sort of, um, things to do with you you would you say that poetry is art i would say that poetry is like word art like it's definitely it's definitely a form of art in my mind <laughs> yeah in a sense yeah and there was um i did sort of try to play with that there's one poem that i did um which you'll see us in like the shape of a fingerprint uh, that i did yeah. and it is called yeah, it's supposed to be, it's called ID, it's supposed to be, yeah, kind of around, yeah, like, I suppose the literal theme of identity. But yeah, I think, yeah, I'd agree with you that because you have to be so, every word matters so much that it is sort of like painting with fine brushes. Yeah, I feel, I definitely think that any sort of like creative writing is um, a form of art. Because I, 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 I'm very much of the the view that art is sort of a a more um efficient way of translating emotions to other people right and i feel like um writing and 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 poetry and and creative writing is a a very good sort of avenue for blending blending the two together so blending the emotion and the and the sort of um experiences and and the communication together so i find that like creative writing and poetry is is something that i'm particularly interested in like it's it's very cool i will definitely have to have a read of this yeah no i mean i'm i'm happy to to give you a copy if you want. Ooh, could you sign it for me as well <laughs> i can yeah yeah An original. awesome yeah <laughs> <laughs> i know i know we haven't um 
I haven't sort of uh, highlighted it in in the questions that I've put together. But is mental illness something that's that's quite a big part of your life? Like, you don't have to answer if you if you don't feel comfortable. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say it is something that I definitely have always struggled with anxiety and depression and um. You know, particularly as as a teenager, um, I think I just had a really difficult year when I was 12, 13, which I guess is like sort of peak puberty time, which might be true. Where I just sort of felt, I don't know, just like this sort of darkness. And I didn't know what depression was at the time. And I probably like behaved. Yeah, I think I just behaved really horribly because I, d- I didn't know like what was going on and I just kind of well I just, mm-hmm. in the sense I just sort of isolated myself I think um, yeah and it's it's very difficult like I feel like uh being being on the spectrum and having mental and um, health difficulties can be like a because even, even like the combination between like the, there are these like uh, what they describe in psychology, vicious cycles. So anxiety has its own vicious cycle and depression has its own vicious cycle. Basically like cycles that you, you go through that keep you in the in the sort of mental headspace of whatever condition that is. And I feel like that the combination of those two and autism just makes life just a mess, especially like in teenage I've definitely found that. Yeah, because I guess as well, when you're on the spectrum, it's kind of like, I mean, they use the word anxiety a lot, but I wasn't entirely sure what that meant. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's kind of like, oh, it's because you have an autism diagnosis that you're experiencing this. And it's almost like mental health issues can get missed because of that. Like people yeah. don't kind of realize that you can have be more than one thing at once. No. Yeah, and I think that there is sort of a so with with the the, the documentary that I that I produced, it was it was basically trying to highlight sort of like the the mental the mental health issues in the autistic community, and I f- I feel like one of the reasons why these like statistics aren't really talked about is. Is that that most people would sort of assume that because you're autistic, your life isn't as good, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which I don't think is I don't think it's a, it's a good representation of what most autistic people feel or think. From my experience, like I know I know autistic people who don't have any mental health conditions and they're they're really happy just living their own life and and you know going about whatever they want to do and it only seems really to be a problem when there are those aspects of mental health included and I do I do I am of the the view that as much that talking about it as much as possible is is the the best way to get it get it seen by like the mainstream media and stuff like that because that's really what we need in order to have like a change and stuff yeah, definitely. I I like that you've you've included those 
those aspects in your in your book. I think that's a a great thing. And even even with things like you know like self harm and stuff, like I when I was sort of in in my teenagehood, there's kind of like yourself, which is why I laughed. I I developed some quite severe uh, mental health difficulties. You know, like with the typical depression, anxiety, a couple of dissociative conditions. And uh, I, I was, I, I self-harm, self-harm for about three or four years. Um, so it's, it's something that, I don't think it's something that, that people would think of me looking at me now, but like it is, it's, it is something that, you know, happens and it happens more and like seems to happen more in the, the autistic community, I think. For me, I think when I, um, yeah, when I went through this, like, very sort of dark period, it, yeah, like I said, I just didn't really, because, I mean, people are talking about it more now, but I think at the time, it was something that people were aware of, but it wasn't something that sort of talked about in the mainstream, and so mm-hmm. I just didn't really know what it was. I kind of felt like, I mean quite fittingly I'm like very very big like Harry Potter nerd (laughs) I guess and I kind of (laughs) I kind of felt like you know the way that she describes J.K. Rowling describes Dementors how the sort of sucking trait you feel as though all the you're happy you'll never be happy again and all the your positive Mm -hmm. thoughts are drained from you and am I right in thinking that the the dementors are were supposed to be like a a metaphor for depression. So yeah. I think I've read read that before. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think at the time she was very depressed and was on like was completely broke and like was a single mother and yeah. And I I just thought yeah that that was very sort of accurate representation of how it felt and that's couldn't really describe it any I mean I remember saying to my mum that I felt as though I sort of fall spiralling into a black hole yeah. Um, and yeah it was just yeah just very very strange but I think now that I know what it is it's easier to deal with when it, if those feelings arise which they do from time to yeah. time I think um, one of the difficulties of being on the spectrum is, you know, something that's quite common is that um, alexithymia, which are, which is like the, um, it's it's sort of like the medical sort of scientific term for not being able to notice and understand your own emotions. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I feel I feel like that that that's one of the things that adds a, a whole new dimension to. The struggles in teenagehood and I suppose the struggles with like mental health and stuff it's it's quite hard to deal with something when you're not sure when you're dealing with it and what causes it and and all of that it's very much like a investigative process to try and get over these conditions I think especially yeah. when you're autistic it's that sort of like that kind of hollowness that you sort of feel yeah it's it's I think think one of the misconceptions is that like depression feels the same as being sad because 
I, I don't I don't think it is the same as being sad. It's it's very it's very novel. It's very separate from sadness. Like typical sort of sadness. You know, you'll you'll feel that welling up behind your head. You'll feel the need to sort of connect with other people, whereas depression yeah. is sort of that dull, hollow, meaningless feeling in the back of your back of your head that sort of consumes anything. Like like a dark cloud that just is constant yeah. that, that only only you can see and it highlights all of the the negative things, you know, the negative things are more bright and positive things are a little bit more hidden and difficult yeah. to notice. Yeah, and it's I do like, think it is different. Yeah. So that that feeling that because when you're sad when you're sad I guess you you kind of know that it will pass in a way often and it feels quite cathartic. There's like depression. Yeah, you like a release. Yeah. It's like depression you kind of lose or from my experience I kind of lose all sort of sense of time and yeah I do feel that sort of you know soul suck it like I'll never be happy again happy again yeah <laughs> it's taken a very lovely lovely turn this podcast <laughs> apologies first no no it's my it's um it's 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 good to talk to um talk talk to talk about so we so we talk a little bit about autism. Yeah, let's see that. Yeah. <laughs> what's your ex- what's your experience with it? Like, when were you diagnosed, and what sort of journey did you go on post diagnosis? Um. Well, I was diagnosed when I was very young. I think it was like just before my fifth birthday, and um, it's actually funny the thing that you said about when you mentioned that. Uh, your mum to eat to McDonald's like just after your diagnosis. Um, Actually, I, I recently like my mum. My mum was chatting to me about it, and apparently my dad was there as well. So I've just been like telling people this story of my mum took me to McDonald's, but my dad was actually there as well. Oh, okay, well, that's nice. <laughs> that adds a new dimension to the story. Um, but yeah, I yeah, I just have this. I don't remember, but I think. My mum took me to London. Um, my dad was on holiday at like, um, I think it was at a wedding actually in South Africa. But yeah, anyway, it was his brother's wedding. But that's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, she took me to the assessment centre in London. And I think I was assessed by um, Gillian Baird, who was like quite a pioneer in autism. Um, and yeah, the diagnosis was... Asperger's syndrome at the time and apparently she said to my mum like oh I can already tell that her main struggle is going to be anxiety which was quite um quite a lot of foresight I guess for her because she was right um and yeah like I said I don't I remember being at McDonald's afterwards with my um my mum my grandfather and his wife at the time um and but I I don't connect I didn't connect that day to my assessment I guess I was just so young and then um I think when I yeah when I was I really struggled at school um and I just I think I came home one day and I said to my mum, I was like, I think there's something wrong with my personality. And that, like, really upset her. Um, 
and she gave me this book called The Blue Bottle Mystery, which is a story about by Kathy Hoopman, I think it's the author. And it's about this boy called Ben who gets it's kind of a I think there yeah, there is like a sort of detective element to it as far as I remember and he gets diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome and I read it and I was like, Oh my gosh, that sounds like me and I went and told my mum and she was like, Well my parents and they were like, Yes, you're right, you know, and I felt really relieved. What kind of age were you were you when you were reading that? Um, eight, I think. And then I remember going to school the next day and like telling my best friend that I I had a problem with my brain. Um <laughs> and <laughs> She reacted in a way that was like really sweet. It was like, oh, you know, it's okay, Hermione. Like, I've got a friend who's got a problem with her eye. Like, it, you know, it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and yeah, I think I don't know when I. I didn't really. I think again, especially when I was a teenager, I was just I just felt very like embarrassed by it, and I didn't really want to. Whenever I told a friend about it I would like always kind of tell them like oh I got this map you know even when I was at university and stuff I'd be like I've got this really big secret um and they sort of like often cry when I told them and they um you know they, they'd be like it's fine but they usually wouldn't really know a lot about autism or what that meant um but they were always like accepting um yeah, and I kind of just That's really... That's great to hear. Yeah. I mean, there were some people who were, like, you know, kind of thought that I was sort of using it as an excuse, which kind of annoyed me because I, I tried so hard, like, not to use it as an excuse. Yeah, it's like, it's 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 very sort of ironic, isn't it, that it's, it's actually something autistic people have a whole sort of name for hiding autism like masking and stuff like we try very hard not to um Mm. attribute it to autism as much as possible like it's it's a bit weird that people see it that way yeah and I just remember yeah I just like I think I just like just just did not want to be different or I wanted to be like acceptably weird in a way and I think that's often sort of how people saw me as being like oh but you're like quirky or whatever I don't know <laughs> um but uh, yeah I always had a lot of like emotional problems like I would cry a lot which is quite embarrassing <laughs> um and yeah then I, I kind of started telling more and more people the more I got older and then yeah it wasn't until I started volunteering and working at the NAS that I kind of came out, so to speak, as being on the spectrum. And so that's, it's, it, from, from like the, the story that you're telling me, because it's, it's not often, I mean, unsurprisingly, it's not often that I, I talk to someone who's um, been diagnosed young as well. I mean, I was diagnosed when I was 10. Okay. But there, but there is, sort of around around the sort of end of primary school you do start to feel a little bit strange and weird and like some of the things that the other kids say yeah. or how they act just don't really feel right 
like you don't understand that you sort of feel like they're they're weirdo. sort of the aliens yeah they <laughs> you feel like a weirdo um and it's, especially for me like um i was i was very into the the whole sort of romantic sort of side to to life so i was i was you know like i would sort of go up to girls that i liked and and sort of try to you know have <laughs> So yeah. connection, connection, connect with them. Yeah, have a connection Aww. with them, and obviously that that led led to a lot of embarrassment. I think one time I, I wanted to change schools because I sent like a a really heartfelt letter to one of them, and <laughs> I know it was tragic, but <laughs> it was okay. It was the it was near to the end of primary school, so it wasn't too bad. Yeah. But I definitely empathize with that that aspect of things. But I I never really, I never really looked into autism or or tried to understand autism until I sort of started re- reaching the end of high school. Mm. Like, it's it's kind of, I think I I didn't like autism at the time because I attributed all the mental health difficulties and anxiety and depression to my autism yeah. at the time oh, that's interesting. since I started to grow up and, and get a bit older that I made the, the distinction between the two mental health I think uh, another aspect is that mental health definitely was the focal point of my life uh, you know since the age of about 13 to about 20 21 22 like a year ago <laughs> so it's it's um it was sort of a little bit of a barrier for me, sort of learning about myself and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I feel a lot of what sort of story that you're telling me, I feel definitely sort of reflects um, on my life um, quite a lot, the things that you're saying. I do, I do think at, at one point when I started doing the YouTubing stuff, like, Nowadays, I, I'm very inclined to just tell people straight to the face that I'm autistic. Like, it's 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 not like I'll go up to someone and say, "Hi, my name's Tom. I've got autism." Yeah. <laughs> <But> it's, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 more like we'll have a chat about stuff, and then it'll come up in a way. So like, we'll be we'll be. It's it's usually when we're talking. For some reason people like to talk about politics when they go to like parties and stuff so it's um whenever we start talking about politics and and sort of uh um different different views on the world and stuff then then my autism becomes um something that i can mention to and it's it's never a thing that i feel ashamed of talking about anymore because yeah. i feel i'm very aware of how it makes me different and I'm also very sort of proud in in a in a weird way like it's it's nice to feel comfortable in your own skin yeah no like, I, I find myself like talking about it at parties quite a lot and I often find that people have like a connection to it or work with autistic people or have a family member and um yeah it's yeah. mad isn't it Sometimes I get, you know, that slightly sort of well-meaning, but, you know, quite sort of unintentionally 
slightly offensive response it's like oh but don't worry I'd never know and I'm like oh thank god <laughs> like um and people I think are generally because my fear was always that people would be like you know thinking oh, you're a freak you're a weird you know all these things that you sort of felt as a child that I sort of felt as a child that you know sort of people would sort of see it like because there is still a lot of stigma around neurological conditions and mental health conditions that, that mm -hmm. um but I found people you know have either reacted like really amazingly or like kindly but slightly ignorantly yeah yeah I felt that yeah. I... and then you can kind of talk to them about it and then they learn something which is always good I'm usually quite, I'm quite an extroverted sort of social person when I know that I'm going to an event that's social. Yeah. So it's, it's always, it's always nice to sort of give, give people a, a taste for the social skills and the, and, and all that to let them build a picture of me without the autism and then introduce it. Cause it's, it's, it's more like profound in that way to other people. Yeah. It's, it's obviously it it's something that just immediately crushes your view uh, yeah. not crushes that's very aggressive but immediately um makes people think and and I found that sort of doing it in that way people are very interested because it's like they've already built that connection with you without that sort of um group separating aspect and then once you've built that connection and you tell them about it, then they're, they're very sort of interested in seeing what life's like for an autistic person, which is always nice because it's not something that I had a lot when I was younger. Like it's nice for people to ask what life is like for me rather than, you know, be just assuming what life is like for me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, um, we're here today to talk about autism gender stereotypes. What does what does stereotype mean? Like, what what are gender stereotypes, and what are the most common stereotypes around autism that you've picked up on? I mean, for me, I I sort of feel like it ties into I had this word like neurosexism quite recently. And that's something that I do kind of identify with quite a lot in that um, there's this sort of idea of, I mean, I'm not a scientist by any means, but, you know, that sort of idea of, like, the male brain and the female brain, and that's something that I'm personally, I don't believe, like, I'm quite against it, just because I feel like it's quite destructive for a lot of people, in particular, often like women and non-binary people, or people who don't fit. And I was sort of, I think that kind of comes into play with assumptions about autism. Is um, this idea that for some reason we see it as like a male thing, and I think that's. Well, I think a lot of it is because when people talk about it, they often don't really think of like the historical context of it, where women are kind of. It's only like being quite recently that I suppose women, and I mean 
obviously there are a lot of places in the world where women still don't have like the same rights as, as men at all. So they're not going to have that same access to education or, you know, diagnosis and stuff that um, men, I suppose, especially white straight men might have. I don't know. I mean, I do know, but I, <laughs> yeah. I think um, there there is, because I know that there are, there have been some some papers where autism has been referred to as like the extreme male brain which i think is absolutely absurd like yeah it's so i mean from because i i i'm 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 one of those those people that I, i'm willing to talk about about anything with with anybody and i i, I obviously have quite a lot of a sort of like scientific background and stuff and it's it's I feel like it's it's always nice to chat about things that that are in in the world, but they're not and they're not specifically sci- scientific in 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 a way, and it's not really something that you can um, that we've researched extensively. So I think it's it's nice to to chat about things like this because I, I I did like a literature review for my documentary. And from like the research that I've done around autism, like um, in terms in terms of the science scientific angle, there seems to be um, some neurological, hormonal, yeah, you know, type type differences in in autistic people. Now, I think things to do with like the the bonding hormone oxytocin seems to be the receptors in the the body for for that sort of hormone is um lacking i guess to to a certain extent it's not very it's not a very researched area um, yeah. a lot of the research i found is to do with the problems i guess you know like the treat, treating of um air quotation mark symptoms and and all of that kind of stuff um and then, I, and then I suppose when when we're thinking about like the male and and female brain, there are. I think, one of one of the the difficulties with, um, science and and, research and all of that is that it can, it can appear quite, certain. Yeah, quite black and white. I think. Yeah, I yeah I definitely agree, and I I. I do think that there are some, again, talking about sort of generalities, there are differences in the, the structure. Like we've, we've shown that there are differences in the structure of the male and typical male and female brain um, in terms of, you know, like hormones and uh, yeah, neurosecretary. Yeah, you know, hormones, yeah. I can see how that came into play. And like female... You know, like females tend to be a bit more intelligent than men, and but don't particularly show a lot of variation in in the level of intelligence. So it's like there's more there's more men who are stupid, sort of more the at the extremes of of the male brain. There seems to be a lot of variation, whereas females in in on average tend to be a lot more intelligent and I guess more emotionally in tune as well females tend to have a lot more 
in general, of course, um, a lot more white matter, which is associated with like connectivity of different brain regions, um, associated more with ability to sort of cross over between topics of thought. Um, and then I guess guys have more of that large amount of gray matter rather than white matter, which is sort of associated with cognition in specific areas. So like there's not much crossover between sort of thought patterns and stuff. I do, I do think that there are some stereotypes and I, I think although there are differences in, in the structure of um, brains, the way that that's expressed and the way that the, the person is doesn't always line up with that train of thought, if that makes sense. Yeah, and especially as, you know, we're living in a world where, you know, people are starting to sort of realise, like, kind of how fluid gender is, and particularly within the autistic community, um, I think. And I'd like to do more research into why that may be. And... I think my issue kind of is really that when people say things, kind of make sort of blanket statements like women are better at masking their autistic traits oh, or whatever, yeah. but they don't really explain why that. Because I feel, or I certainly felt this growing up, that because, you know, and being, I guess, sort of, yeah, like as a young child being kind of picked on at school, and a lot of that was kind of sort of related to gender i felt like it was very yeah i definitely i definitely think there is the, there is more harassment for for women especially in the school environment it's it's horrendous like some you know like those typical groups of boys at, at high school yeah they can they can be absolutely terrorizing for for anybody but you know, like yeah. them sort of off offhanded um sexual comments that you're supposed to just I guess like deal, deal with. with yeah. yeah. Which I, I think is a is a very it's it's not really acceptable in my in my eyes. And I never no, I've, I've always had that that opinion. Yeah, I mean I think it's just this idea that if you don't kind of fit these sort of and no one really does I mean no one really does even the people who are kind of like bully somebody for that it's probably because they're insecure about their masculinity or femininity or whatever um yeah it's just a sort of idea that if you don't fit this very sort of rigid construct of what your gender is supposed to be that that makes you less or that makes you because I think we're not sort of used to when I think I do often feel that men are sort of allowed to kind of use their brains and use their intellect in a way that we're starting to see women be able to do more now. But it's I suppose that kind of comes into media representations. It's often portrayed in this like very sort of straightforward way rather than being a woman being sort of like, yeah, like a kind of Sherlock type in a way. Yeah. That's kind of the best way I can describe it, where I don't really like the word eccentric, but I suppose eccentric <laughs> is the best. You know, you don't, I feel as though we don't see that portrayed enough, like a woman that's kind of a bit odd yeah. um, in the nicest way possible, you know. I like, I like odd, odd, weird and strange. I would definitely consider them myself. Yeah, 
like <laughs> a woman that doesn't <laughs> a woman that doesn't like sort of get social cues and stuff and where I sort of feel as though women are from a very young age kind of raised to be accommodating. And I think I think that the tendency of some some particular guys, like, you know, those sort of high high narcissism kind of men who you know their their life revolves around relationships with attractive women on you know that those kind of ones that like like money and cars and and all that i think those particular men can be quite harmful like they can they can do a lot of damage to people yeah and i mean women can be awful as you know i guess all people can be awful at sort of kind of representing that sort of unhelpful messages really i mean we're all guilty of it i guess there's yeah. often like you know i suppose those sort of quite narcissistic people are probably so insecure about their own self-image that that's you know they feel like that's the most important thing and you kind of just want to like shake them <laughs> and be like it's okay yeah. like you don't have to you don't have to kind of Prove yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. It's quite, but yeah, I think we're all we all sort of play into it without realizing it. It's hard. Yeah, I, I, as you said, I think there there are some, particularly me growing up in in high school. I I was harassed by sort of you know like the popular girls at school. Like the mm. most most of my friends, my good friends, are female. So it's I hear heard a lot about sort of the way that the t- the toxic side to sort of girls at school in terms of not not all girls just those particular narcissistic ones that are assholes. <laughs> I think like groups of women often get like pitted against each other. I think that's the problem. Uh, yeah, it's. I read um I read something recently about like the difference between male and female bullying it's like male bullying tends to be more on the aggressive physical side whereas in the sort of female bullying is more about like defaming and sort of isolating people off from groups and spreading rumors and stuff like that do you you feel like that's something that you have experienced at school i mean i think like it's difficult because I um I think to be honest I can feel like men can be just as sort of manipulative as women. Yeah. And I yeah. think yeah I think all I mean I went to a girls' school for a Catholic girls' school for a bit and that was very a lot of people came away from that like kind of with sort of severe emotional issues and um. I think maybe it does come from this constant like pressure that we have to be more beautiful or to be more whatever than the woman next to you rather than just like being alongside them. Yeah, that's sort of my theory, really. Because I think people are too quick to sort of be like, oh, men just punch each other and get on with it. But it's like we shouldn't we shouldn't be accepting that either. I know maybe that's easy to say, but... No, I agree with you. I agree like, with you. And 
men are sort of encouraged to do that as well, I think. Like, why is it normal, say, for a man to, like, go on a night out and pick a fight with someone? Like, that shouldn't be excused or normalised. Um, but I don't, I mean, I haven't, you know, I'm not really one to talk about that, but it's just sort of what I've heard from my, yeah, like, my male friends and my brother and yeah. cousins and stuff. Um, and my dad. Not that they do that, but, like... <laughs> I definitely have seen a lot of that, especially on nights out in Manchester. Like, yeah, it does, it does seem to be a trend. I've never seen two girls fight in a club. I've seen a lot of guys throw punches and stuff, but... Yeah, I think it's, it's, like it's, trying to prove yourself. I think it's that whole sort of our, our ancestry with, like, dominance and all of that i think there's a, there's a lot of aspects of men trying to sort of climb their social ladder if i suppose and and a lot of them go a little bit more primal and start you know typically take the more physical and aggressive side to 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 doing that yeah. and i guess i guess yeah. that's a well i mean it is a problem i i i think that it's it's violence in any sort of form is ridiculous and unnecessary. <laughs> mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, there was there was something that I wanted to. Oh, what was I going to say? Um, so most common around boss. I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'll come back. I do. I do think that there are. We do have a tendency with signs to, I think some people who can be be a little bit more rigid in their approach to people, um, you know, the the whole thing with science is that it it is done in a in a lens of generality, like it's a general sort of statement, and I think it it can come across as quite harsh and um narrow-minded when people just uh rattle on about um what what the science or statistics show or anything like that i think there should there should always be an aspect of talking to people and and sort of getting other people's views because not everybody lies on that generality especially autistic people i suppose tend to say that often tend to be the ones that benefit from it and it's like well that might be easy for you to say but you're not suffering I mean I mean I'm probably you know guilty of that as well it's like like it's like you're not if you're in a sort of privileged group you're not suffering with the consequences of making those kind of statements does that make sense yeah so So it'd be like if I made it you know, like, I guess as, like, a straight white person, for instance, if I made a comment about LGBTQ plus people that was sort of very generalised, but I, yeah, really, I haven't got a clue, and I'm not going to suffer the consequences of those rem- remarks because I'm don't, I'm not in that minority group. Yeah. Or about, you know, somebody of a different race, or that might be, I don't know, something that, theory that someone has that 
I think I think that there is that there is a problem with the way that we communicate in 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 our society as it is. It seems to be all you seem to see on news is um, statements and and contrary opinions, but you never sort of see that that those conversations that are that sort of an- analyze it and, and bring in those post uh, those personal and emotional angles to things and i think that's one of the reasons one of the ways that we are sort of failing in a little bit in in terms of moving forward in social change like people yeah. want to hear that they want to hear their side to things uh, but they yeah but they, they never really see the contrast in those opinions and whenever those contrasts occur it seems to be quite inflammatory due to the nature of you know media glorifying mm. drama yeah because if those if like this sort of status quo works for you or if you you think it works for you you're going to defend it you're going to be like oh well that's just the way things are well it's a doesn't work which it doesn't work for most people i think you're gonna be like well that might be okay for you to say that but for me it's that's not good enough so um i suppose that's a good this is a good sort of segue into the the next question which is you know what what are the problems of stereotyping and what why are they a problem in terms of autism i guess yeah, just sort of the idea that, I don't know, for me, the main thing I've been seeing is that kind of the only, there have been more kind of representations of autism, like in TV and stuff, and that's amazing, but it's sort of, all male. correct question. Sorry? It's all male. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like male, straight and white, and um, nothing wrong with, you know, nothing wrong with that, but like. It's always that kind of storyline, which is like, oh, it's a guy, you know, trying to get a girlfriend. And that is yeah. very relatable and something that we can all kind of identify with. I think it's like feeling inadequate or feeling weird or whatever. But yeah, it's kind of sort of sad and a shame considering the fact that I have spoken to you and work with so many autistic people of different like gender sexualities and like ethnicities and to not see that represented in 2020 is quite sad really that you know you only I think a sort of stereotype I guess example of a stereotype that I find quite challenging is um the big bang theory uh Sheldon Cooper um yeah because it's just like this complete sort of story, you know and stereotype of what people imagine autism and I I used to watch the show quite a lot I haven't watched it in a while so I don't really know the nuances of it so I don't know if it's kind of improved since then but um it just seems sad that it does sort of feel like his autistic tendencies are played for laughs yeah and it's kind of like suggesting that that makes him an asshole, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that makes him yeah. sexist, and that makes him. And it's like, yeah, you do get autistic people who are assholes. Like you get. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, but <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like suggesting that those traits 
make him an arsehole because he's like that sort of stereotype of a genius who again yeah. is always a man <laughs> like um but I, I, we actually uh, i had a podcast with one of the the girls in the documentary as es, esme and she so um, was the girl short hair and glasses yeah yeah oh yeah she was cool i liked her and um she uh we we were talking about the Big Bang Theory in that podcast actually, and then she told me that the actual guy, the guy who plays Sheldon Cooper is quite was was very keen to to give a good representation of um, Asperger's because he he did a lot of sort of reading around it, and he um, talked to um, I think a particular um, person with with Asperger's, and he sort of obviously developed a relationship with them and and sort of understood a little bit more about what autism was about. And the the writers of the show obviously are, are searching for those relatable laughs, as as you said, about um, traits and and stuff and, and basically sort of amplifying the 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 what what people think autism is like, I guess. But I guess t- to be honest, like it does do it does do a good a good job in in some respects with some of the the more typical traits but you know I, I think again he he is not like most autistic people like no, Sheldon I mean, Cooper. That's just my yeah that's just my opinion but no I, I, I agree sort of, like, yeah it gets a bit sort of boring after a while when you're just like well, oh, why are they laughing why are we laughing at, at him he's just saying something and yeah <laughs> so, like yeah like long science word you know yeah. <laughs> yeah i just like to sort of see more i mean one that i again one that who i quite like who is in some ways very stereotypical but also sort of fleshed out is um arbed from community i haven't seen community yeah, it is really, like, I, because they kind of, he is sort of stereotypical initially, but they, he is also, like, quite a sort of well-developed character, and, because he kind of tries to understand the world by imagining that he's in a TV show, which is very meta, because he is, it is a TV show, <laughs> and, um, they do, yeah, some of it is very sort of, like, touching, um, and I do quite like the fact that he's not white i know that's like only a small thing but it, it's sort of just seeing yeah people of different of various backgrounds that are on the spectrum so it's, it is it isn't something that's confined to being male and and being white like mm. most most a lot of people in the autistic community that uh, on like instagram and stuff it just it just seem seem that the the majority of like the 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 Instagram sort of advocates and stuff seem seem to be female, which is obviously is obviously great. And we've got a lot of people who are from different backgrounds and a lot of people from different opinions and places in the world. You know, some one person in sort of Inuit Inuit section of Canada. Yeah, it's got yeah. Asp- Aspergirl. She's she's great. She does like comedy sketches and stuff. I I think that 
we do, we do need a lot more realistic content on Asperger's, and we and we also need to include people who are autistic as the actors. Like, what? It's yeah. like it's it's so much easier just to have an autistic actor acting yeah. autistic rather than trying to get someone who has to read over stuff and and may not always grasp the point of it or the the new, the nuances and and all that. I had to look for um, was it ah- Ahmed, Abed, Abed. Yeah, he's played by non-autistic actors, to be fair. But, um, do you think he did a good job then? I, I do feel like he, yeah, it's like his mannerisms are very like stereotypical, but he, um, yeah, I think just in the way that they sort of, res- the other characters respect him, it's good. He's not just like played for laughs. But I also look at looking on this, uh, this article, um, apparently there is a new Muppet called Julia, who's an, who's an autistic Muppet <laughs> on Sesame Street. Oh, yeah, on Sesame Street. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I saw that. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So, like, kids can learn about I it. I think that's a, that's an important way of normalising autism, like, from a young age. Yeah. Yeah. And with the girls. Yeah. Well. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think also we... We don't really see, like on our, you know, like stories from the spectrum, we're trying to get more people with more complex needs, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess maybe, yeah, that's something that needs maybe to be represented more in a way that's realistic, like, tasteful, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Not um, Rain Man. <laughs> no. <laughs> sort of at its of it rain man like at the time would have been incredibly progressive and forward thinking yeah i i enjoy it not gonna lie like yeah i thought it was a really good film mm, yeah that's a good i film. feel like he did play play the role quite well i think just the mm. the story around it was just a little bit unreal well it is incredibly unrealistic to to an extent like not many people not many autistic people have anywhere near the the skills that he has <laughs> in that show. I know it's sort of this idea, or it's this idea that if you're going to be different, you have to be like useful. If that makes sense, yeah, I, yeah, I never thought makes me about a bit that. Uncomfortable. That's like, never... yeah, like oh, you have to like contribute in some way, and then we'll forgive your like quirks. You have to be special. And, and outstanding. Mm. So w- when we talk about yeah stereotypes and stuff, I know we, we've chatted a little, little bit about it, but where where do we draw the line between sort of inaccurate or m- maybe unrealistic stereotyping and sort of t- talking about things in in terms of generality, like? How would how would you make draw that line? Where would you draw it? I guess I guess the only way sort of to to sort of do that in a way that's kind of gives people dignity is by doing your re- talking to people and finding out their experiences because I think you can know you can research something you can like 
talk, you, you can know sort of what that's like, but you're never going to really be able to feel what it's like unless you've walked in those person's shoes. So I guess it's maybe just about, yeah, making sure that if you are like a, I don't know, a scientist or I don't know how they do it, like writing something about autistic people that you actually involve autistic people or if you're writing about autistic women or like autistic people of ethnic minorities you like involve those people in it if you're not of that group yourself mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if that answers the question no, that's, like, in terms of like media and and things in the public eye yeah I think I agree with you yeah you've you've got to have you've always got to have that aspect of personal emotional side to things when when you're talking about anything to do with science for a sort of mainstream audience it needs it needs to always have those aspects within it because if they're not included then it sort of propagates those quite ironic black and white views of autism (laughs) yeah yeah i know it's slightly ironic isn't it because yeah you know, it's often like autistic people are sort of accused of seeing things in black and white, and yet often autism will be described by non-autistic people in these very black and white terms. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know, I guess saying things like, because I always found the, for ages I thought, you know, somebody gave me a compliment on like my social skills or whatever, I'd be like, no, I'm not. Like, I'm not good at that just because I read things about autism that kind of suggested like they have impaired social skills and I think so now I sort of try to say like autistic people might not socialize in a way that is considered sort of like traditional yeah it's different isn't it like they might yeah it's just like different and I think that needs to be explained more clearly because otherwise you get people like me looking it up and thinking that it was just a sort of kind of very damaged human unappealing person yeah or like some of the people just don't i think one of we kind of go on the media kind of goes on about like charm and charisma too much without actually talking about like being a good person like more so much emphasis is that's gone slightly off topic is put on like being likable mm-hmm. it's quite unquite likable and they're not enough is put into actually being like kind yeah and actually it shouldn't matter much how you how you communicate with people as long as you're not really upsetting anyone or yeah um but i I think i think like one of the one of the way the things that i was trying to get from um this question is that like i feel like in 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 this day and age people do see they, they they see life as snippets like they don't they'll they'll watch maybe a three second three minute video on online about um which highlights some of the more some some of the parts of you know things like for example with a podcast you know someone might chop chop up the podcast and um isolate bits of in, information or something that someone said and then produce a a blog or something about it but not many people will listen to it in full and get an idea of the context. Like, I think that can sometimes come across as 
this person's an arsehole for thinking this or, or talking about this rather than getting a full idea of, of what they're about, I guess. Yeah, we're a bit like, I can't believe they said that. Graceful. <laughs> this person. Actually, just the way of people... <laughs> this, per- this person said that all females are not autistic, they're just a bit strange. That's, no. <laughs> yeah. This person hates yeah. women or whatever. Yeah, like... Yeah, I see that. We all do that all the time with celebrities. We're like, I can't believe they tweeted that or they mm-hmm. made that comment. And really, it's... I mean, I do that as well. I'm guilty of being like, I can't believe they said that. But it's a bit unfair, really, because they're not really there to explain. They can't... I mean, I guess everyone's got to be allowed to express their opinion unless it kind of really hurts other people. Yeah. Um, or unless it like falls into like hate speech, um, but yeah, we do we do definitely like jump to conclusions, and I guess the same goes for maybe me listening to someone saying something about autism that I just find, you know, like maybe a bit superficial, and I'll immediately jump to a conclusion that that person is like, doesn't care. Which, you know, so we're all guilty of doing it. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I definitely, if, if I see something said about autism, especially Twitter, like Twitter is the worst for it. Like if I see someone saying something that I don't agree with, I, I have sort of an immediate sort of reaction that I want to tweet about it and and all that. But then I guess I've sort of put a, a mental block on myself, sort of give myself room to process it and and figure out like do i do i really want to give this person more attention by tweeting about it or yeah that's true in terms of like uh um that question in the context of a sort of casual discussion like someone that you meet at a party or a friend of a friend or a a relative or or something like that like how how would you go about ch- talking about these type of things and and expressing opinions without sort of inaccurately stereotyping or or anything like that? Um, I just I don't know. I tend to in my kind of conversation style in general, I I am um, I do have a tendency to sort of like self censor and kind of edit myself a bit too much while I'm talking. Mm-hmm. So I guess I kind of tend to do that a bit and or I kind of talk about things from my experience and my experience is very sort of relatively, it's very sheltered, I suppose, compared to what a lot of autistic people have gone through. So I guess I kind of try to say that and I sort of hope that therefore then they don't think that I'm just talking in stereotypes or suggesting that. Hmm all autistic people are like me because they're not I think when you're expressing an opinion that maybe won't be fully agreed with you always as long as you're considerate of the other person's opinion and you don't sort of shove it in the other person's face which obviously would lead to confrontation I think being being that way and being always very considerate of the environment that you're in you know, and just just having a normal conversation with someone, um, 
it's it's always good to try and hear people out and always f- fall back on that you know, idea of just having a discussion rather than taking shots at each other, I suppose. Yeah, and I think there's too much, like, lots of, like, rhetoric in our, in our culture is kind of, people feel like they always have to win arguments. Yeah. And I, like, I don't want to, especially, you know, it's somebody else's life. So for them, it's not just, like, this fun debate that, you know, they're trying to win. It's their experience and their life. Mm-hmm. So I think I try not to go into... You know, I think it's good just to go into like have a discussion and learn something rather than like trying to win yeah. an argument. Yeah. I f- I feel that a lot. Um, Definitely. Hmm. You know, like I'm. Yeah, you're not going to start lecturing somebody on something that you don't actually know a lot about, or you don't know as much, but you haven't experienced yourself. Especially when it's so personal um, to somebody. Like even if even if you do feel like they're completely wrong, you should always if whenever you're talking about someone's experiences or someone's life, you should always you should always err on the the side of niceness, respect, r- respect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You shouldn't like say, "Well, you're wrong," because then they could be like, "Well, actually, that like happened to me," you know. So um, and that could ruin yeah, someone's this, day this... or week. <laughs> Yeah, I think this idea that, yeah, we, people are sort of, and that definitely comes from, like, social media as well, like, the comments section of people, like, trying to win an argument is is very, it's very unhelpful, because not everything has to be competitive. It's like, we're all trying to work towards the common goal of um, connecting, connecting people and getting a, a good idea of people's opinions and and weighing them up and and all of that i mean i think in in terms of personal experience of talking about autism it either goes the the bad experiences that you would sort of see would would either go one of two ways one is the the person thinking they know about autism and then when i say that i'm an autist i'm an autistic person saying, oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't identify with your disability and all that. So they, they try and take that nice angle on things, but it, it because they're not listening to what I'm saying, it, it actually just comes off as yeah. very annoying and um, narrow-minded. And then you've got the other side yeah, as well. People, you know, just especially the older generation just saying, ah, well, no, that's just part of normal life, you know, especially with, like, mental health, yeah. like, oh, everyone gets a bit down. Everyone has that. <laughs> yeah. That's very frustrating, isn't it? Yeah. But I always take the angle of humour. You've got to laugh about it, I think. I find it hard when people are like, a lot of people are like, oh, you should see it as a gift, and they're being nice, they're being genuine. Mm-hmm. That's when I guess I, I want to explain more about it. But, yeah, when people are like, oh, everyone feels like that, you sort of feel a bit like, oh, my gosh, am I just making, like, a massive deal of nothing? Because <laughs> I remember having that reaction from a friend in school, and it was just, like, this anger. Because she was like, I suppose she saw my life as kind of perfect because, you know, 
in a lot of ways I am really really fortunate but I was kind of being like I'm not saying that I'm not fortunate but this is something that maybe is something that I struggle with that you might not struggle with Mm -hmm. and she yeah she just got so like very very angry um because she was like everyone has that like yeah and that's quite hard to deal with because then you think am I just being a drama queen she's trying to be nice isn't it but it's coming from that narrow-minded angle of I know kind of this is why what I'm saying is right which is Mm. always going to be a, a difficulty when you're talking to someone who literally lives as an autistic person like like because I don't have the struggles of I recognize I don't have the struggles of somebody with more complex needs and so I suppose somebody's when it's a sort of invisible condition yeah people just find it so hard to think outside the box and think well what are you complaining about yeah that's that's quite a, a common thing I would say but always always through through just I always try to talk to anybody who has that sort of narrow-minded stance on things and I have had a lot of luck in my own in my own life with with sort of bringing bringing people around and um explaining more and I guess I always see those opportunities as a chance to make people more aware I guess it's never an uncomfortable horrible experience for me but I guess that's probably due to my outlook on things but yeah, and I, yeah. Well, what do you, what do you think in t- in terms of like the the mainstream media and and film and TV and stuff? What changes do you think would? I know you've you've mentioned of a few throughout, but what main changes do you think would help dispel these stereotypes? I think for a start, just seeing kind of mainstream representations of not only autistic women and girls but yeah sort of anyone who's kind of not the norm like a straight white man I feel like I'm sounding like I'm hating straight white men (laughs) not but it it would just be sort of nice to see a variety of autistic people because you do I have seen characters on tv that you know female character you know that have not gotten autism diagnosis but they're not the protagonist. Uh, have a lot of those sort of... Yeah. But it'd be nice, you know, just because in my own life I, I'd like to see the autistic people I know reflected. Yeah. So I think that, that would be a good start. Um, sorry, I've forgotten the rest of the question. <laughs> it's okay. No, that's that's great. Like, I think those are those are all things that would help combat these stereotypes. And I think it is just down to exposure. And I know it's sometimes it's, it's hard when when you know that there's a problem um, to view it in a very sort of slow, progressive way. But I guess this yeah. this whole acceptance and um, of of autism and even even with things like race and and sexuality and stuff, um, it is always a slow, gradual process, I guess and. 
the more yeah. that we can talk about it and the more that we can expose people to it, the more that we'll start seeing some positive changes in, in the more concrete realm of policies and and, and education and, and stuff like that. But it's a growing process. Yeah. And we are we are both contributing to it with this uh this little podcast. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> At least yeah, I like to think so. So what are the main three things that you want people to take away from this podcast? Like if you were to oh, if you were to have a little summary on, on Google, you know, like next to the, the title, what would it say? Um Oh, I guess yeah, it's just that I mean quite an obvious but I guess that autism can you know autistic people can autism isn't sort of exclusive to one people of a certain background like or gender or you know you can get you get autistic people all over the world they just people might just not know that they're autistic yet and um yeah it doesn't it doesn't exclude I guess is what I want to say that Mm -hmm. um so I guess that's one kind of um another one would be um yeah i just want people to be more open to talking about it um and open to listening to people on the spectrum talk about and not sort of because i do sort of feel that people with yeah things like people who have a diagnosis of autism and people also people with mental health issues can get quite easily sort of to use a buzzword I guess gaslighted mm-hmm. so I suppose because people kind of you know you can easily say oh well you don't know what you're talking about because you have this condition so that skews your view on things but yeah I think I guess yeah the second thing would be to just encourage people to be taking interest um and the third thing <laughs> I, I told you I told you didn't I <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I think the third thing I'd, Don't panic. I'd like I'd like people to take away is kind of the yeah not seeing autism as this one way of thinking I guess I haven't really spoken about that enough but not seeing seeing autism as not just sort of like yeah this black and white way of thinking but as oh, no, yeah like creativity different way of thinking yeah i suppose oh actually sorry <laughs> <laughs> I, oh i guess maybe i think i'll change that to uh being aware of i want people to be more aware of like co-occurring co- co-occurring mental health conditions and autism. Well, we can include all both of those. I think they're both yeah. good things. <laughs> um, cool. Thank you very much for those. I know that can be the most difficult part of the podcast. You start <laughs> getting to that little flow of, of of chatting about stuff, and then um, you you're very in the present when you when you're chatting, especially when you're just in front of a computer, just looking into space. Like you get quite into the present you it's hard to sort of bring yourself yeah. out of it and think about what you're talking about and <laughs> yeah i'm like no wait that but also that <laughs> you know <laughs> i get that 
And then we got the last question, which is one that I ask every person who is autistic um, who comes onto the podcast. What does autism mean to you? <laughs> I suppose for me, it's, I mean, it, it, it's very hard to know because I haven't experienced life as a non-autistic person. So, um, yeah, for me, I guess it, it just means, I guess, a sort of different way of looking at things in in all its kind of positives and negatives. Um, like I say, I don't, I don't necessarily see it as a gift. I don't necessarily see it as a negative thing. It just sort of is. It's an element of me. I do find it difficult to separate it from my personality. Um, but I guess, yeah, it's just another, another part of who I am. I guess I sort of have quite a neutral attitude to it. I don't see it as a gift. Like I said, I don't see it as a gift. I don't see it as a, a curse. I used to see it as a curse, but, um, but I've, I've kind of come to terms with it. Awesome. I do. I do agree with that. I'm. I'm very much on the, the neutral side of life in in terms of mm, my view of autism. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is sometimes difficult, and it does make things hard. But it also gives you a little bit of a, a difference, which is always welcome, in all areas of life. I think someone with a, drastic difference or at least a, a notable difference in how they work and, and process and think. I think all of that is very helpful in all aspects of society. But thank you very much for that, Hermione. Do you want to give everybody some links to things that you want them to um, see? I know that you've, you've got the recipe for being a woman, um, your poetry book, which we talked a little bit about. You've got the Blue Bottle Mystery, uh, the one that you read when you were younger to sort of understand yourself a little bit better. And then what was the other one? I can't remember. Ab ab ad something. Abded. Abed. Abed oh community. Mm -hmm. The show community uh, T V show Community, which is on Netflix. If people have Netflix. Um it's also on Amazon Prime, I think. Very cool. Are there any links that you um, want to give to your uh, like blog site and all that? Yeah, so my blog is... Um, the address is hermionecameron1.wordpress.com Okay. Hermione is H-E-R-M-I-O-N-E -E, and then it's all lowercase. Cameron is C-A-M-E-R-O-N. Okay. Um, and my, yeah, I put a lot of, yeah, on Instagram, I'm, my, yeah, my handle is Hermione1, which is um, H-E-R-M-I-R-O-N-Y-1. It's meant to be like, irony, yeah. I like it. <laughs> um, and my Twitter, thank you, <laughs> my Twitter's the same as well and I tend to post stuff I'm doing there I want to. And then you also have your stories on the spectrum section. Yeah stories from the spectrum I definitely recommend it's um 
so it's on the National Autistic Society website, and um, which is www.autism.org.uk uh, slash about slash stories. And then there's also the Spectrum magazine on the website, which is um, under on the NAS website under about adult life resources spectrum. Very cool. Thank you for very much for those. Um, I will put all of those in the description, and if there's anything else that you want me to put links to, um, I will also include them. But thank you, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast today to talk about um, something. I've always, I've always wanted to have a little um, chat about um, these types of things, and it's it's nice to finally um, have someone on with, you know, who's will, willing to have a nice, nice and uh, productive discussion about something that that may be some, sometimes a little bit inflammatory. But it's, I think we've yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I think we've done well. Coughed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you very much for having me. It's been been great. Have you enjoyed it? I've re- yeah, I've really enjoyed it, actually. It's my first time doing something like this on a podcast. So, yeah, I was a little bit nervous, but actually, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's just been like having a chat. Cool. So, thank you, everybody, for listening and tuning into the 40 Auto podcast. You can always find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, under the 40 Auto podcast, of course. And then there are my YouTube channel. There is my YouTube channel, rather. Asperger's Growth, which I post videos about autism and mental health. And my documentary website that's recently aired. It's called Asperger's in Society, if you want to go... Um, have a watch it's completely unmonetized and free to watch and if you want to learn a little bit more about uh, the process of making it and maybe um, see some more of like behind the scenes footage and interviews with people who um, were on the documentary you can find that at www.aspergesinsociety.com other than that social medias on instagram facebook and twitter at Asperger's Growth, very easy to find me. And if you do want to donate um, on Patreon, which is always very welcome because this this podcast is always ad-free and always unmonetized. So any, any support in that sense would be amazing. Thank you very much for watching, everybody. Listening, rather, or watching if you're on YouTube. can never do these these outros very well. I don't like to end up like summarize conversation. It's it's very difficult to uh, to do that. But what I will leave you with is have a great day if you're in the midst of a day, or have a great little sleep if you're uh, have a nice relaxy time in the bath or uh, or whatever. It's a bit weird for me to think about that. Maybe don't don't do that. And I'll see you in the next episode of the Forty Forty Podcast. Thank you very much. See you later, guys. You can say bye as well. Oh, sorry. Oh, bye. Thank bye. you for listening. Bye. Stay hydrated. <laughs> <laughs>